Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, H Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast. Your home for all things Astros. With your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blob. Now, here's Balky and Blubber. What's up, H Town? I should say good morning because we are coming to you at a, for an early morning edition, <laughs> episode 21 of the Believe in Astros podcast. Special ALCS edition. I'm Jeff Balky, and of course, my partner Jeff Blum, uh, getting uh, ready for a charity golf tournament today. So he is up early, bright and early, and chipper, right, Blummer? Oh yeah, we call this Dawn Patrol. We're on it. <laughs> That's right. You can find us on uh, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and of course on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Believe in Astros. You can find me at Jeff Balky and Blummers at Blummer Twenty Seven. Um, before we dig in, we'll say a word for our sponsor, uh, Bet Online. Listen, the, I, as I saw, the over under for Framber Valdez strikeouts last night was five and a half. Ooh. So if you if you took the over, you were the smart person in that one. And uh, Bet Online is probably the place to do it. Football's back. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. Find latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest, easiest way to bet all your favorite sports MMA, tennis, boxing, golf. Uh, maybe they could bet on the charity tournament today, Plummer. Maybe yeah, set- guess, guess how many golf balls I'm going to lose. What's the over under on that? <laughs> Let's set the over under <laughs> on three and a half. Ooh, we'll see what that's happens. Actually a good there. Call. Um, head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Blummer, let's just go back to start with game one of the ALCS. Mm-hmm. Astros up 2 0 uh, in this best of seven series. Um, the Verlander payback game uh, after a tough outing uh, against Seattle, he came back. And had just a, an incredible outing in Game One. What what did you see from him that that was different uh, here than it was the first time around? Well, Justin is always going to be making adjustments in between starts, and obviously that first start of the postseason didn't go very well for him, giving up six to the Seattle Mariners. So I'm sure he was tinkering a little bit with some of the the slider and curveball mix, probably. Some of those curveballs got hit pretty hard against Seattle. They had a great approach against them. And then you come in against a team like the New York Yankees. You already mentioned it with the strikeouts. They have a tendency to strike out a lot, so why not bet that over every once in a while because they do swing and miss. But the first couple of innings, you kind of had the idea. You're like, oh, man, I hope we're not going down the same road that we're going on because it actually made him work quite a bit in those first couple of innings. The pitch count was a little high. Hitting Rizzo, there was an error behind him. So you almost had the sense that things were, you know, not going the way that Justin wanted them to go. 
But the beauty of Justin Verlander is that he can take control of a game. And we saw that in game one from game from inning three until he was out of the game. He, he took absolute control. The fastball was angry. The slider was even angrier. And he looked brilliant going out there and punching everybody in that lineup out. It was gorgeous what he was able to do. And I think that really set the tone for the Astros, too. Yeah, well, you think it was just better control this time around? Once he got past the, the the error and the hit by pitch and really started to find that command and really kind of like zoned in a little bit yeah. and started to get aggressive with that fastball, he was touching 97, 98 in that game too. So there was a little bit of anger behind some of those pitches, which I loved. And he started to narrow it down, got that fastball in the zone, but really did a good job of setting up the breaking ball and the slider to go out there and be effective. But he took command of that game. And I think it was just all on his shoulders. He recognized the moment and took advantage of it. Four, five, and six, he was just basically unhittable i mean some of those some of just that you like you said there was some anger behind those those fastballs six or seven straight strikeouts in that yeah something like that i can't remember what the exact number was but it was yeah it was a a huge number in a row and and just you know he was the dominant verlander that i think we all expected in the postseason and the yankees were hoping had uh had they had evaded um but they didn't and look we got some really you know we jeremy pena again um, oh, continues his streak in the postseason looking really good. But we also got some really unlikely uh, yeah. you know, hitters. I mean, Yuli Gurriel continues to be playoff Yuli. Thank mm-hmm. God, right? Yeah, for real. Um, but we got, a du- we got Maldonado's huge hit to mm-hmm. tie the game up early. And then we got the Chaz Chop. Oh man, Chazzy Chazzy Fizz, Fizz. <laughs> with the big home run. How big is it for a guy like McCormick? Who there's a story about him. I saw it, maybe some just a series of tweets about how he, uh, you know, he wasn't really the everyday center fielder, mm-hmm. and you know the team just sort of stuck with him, and it certainly paid off for him in Game One, and he's been good defensively. I mean, it's got to be a big deal for a guy like that, right? Oh, yeah, especially when you do it in the postseason, when you do it under the microscope of the postseason. And I think that, you know, it's a credit to Chaz, and I kind of, you know, I've talked to him throughout the course of the season. He's a great kid, and he, he plays hard. I think he started to understand the situation, you know, getting sent out, coming back. Uh, Jake Myers faltering, coming back from that injury. They knew Chaz could play, but they were always, they weren't always, but they were trying other pieces out there to see if they could do a better <clears throat> job than Chaz. But to yeah. Chaz's credit... He continued to persevere, continued to play hard, and when he got his opportunities late in the season, he took advantage of them and earned that spot to be the center fielder in the postseason. But I think what's great about the postseason is you go into the postseason, everybody says the big names, the Alvarez's, Bregman, Tucker, uh, you know, uh, not necessarily Pena who stepped up big, the Altuve's. And all of a sudden you sit there and you go, okay, they're trying not to let those guys beat the other team. And then they get down to that bottom third of the order. Martin Maldonado comes up with a big hit. And then, like you said, Chaz McCormick has an opportunity, gets a pitch to hit, and doesn't miss it. So, you know, you need that contributing factor from some of those guys that aren't the marquee names that are going to light up scoreboards. But if you start to get big swings from those other guys at the bottom part of the order, it creates all 
kinds of issues for opposing pitchers when you've got to pitch through all nine guys in that batting order because the depth is so good in that lineup for the Astros. And you know that Chad Chomp is going crazy. His mom's <laughs> cooking meatloaf, and we're we're in good shape right now. <laughs> I you gotta love that the, uh, everybody in the dugout was doing the Chaz Chomp. I it mean, was that, hilarious. Yeah, that was just. I mean, just, to in. see just to see Justin Berlander doing the Chaz Chomp <laughs> might be my favorite thing so far this season. It was just it just some of that youthful enthusiasm. It was a lot of fun to watch. It really was. It really was. And and you know, you think about you mentioned it. And you made a good point about the playoffs and and guys stepping up. You see that in all sorts of sports where mm-hmm. you know uh, the the line that I always remember. Kenny Smith used to quote it. I can't remember who the the original guy that said it, but they said in the you know. Uh, regular seasons where you make your name, the playoffs is where you make your fame, right? Yep. And there are guys who are big name players in the postseason who weren't necessarily. They just were when the spotlight came on, the biggest spotlight of them all. Um, they stepped up, and you see that. I mean, think about all the big moments in sporting history that you're like, oh yeah, that guy. He wasn't really that. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, that one <laughs> moment he becomes like a legend and. You saw that with Chaz. I hope he continues it. Well, that's what you hope. Exactly what you hope it does do is it get you know you're, you may not get it every game, but you hope that you have those flashes of brilliance from a guy like Chaz McCormick or a Martin Maldonado, because the beauty of the postseason is that you, everybody starts at zero again, and you have an opportunity to play in you know shorter spurts, and you have a, you know greater moments to go out there and do something. But what you hope it does for Chaz doing it in the in a division series, doing it in a championship series, is that hopefully when, if and when you do get to a World Series, he's not overwhelmed by the moment. He says, look, I contributed last series. I'm going to do my best to contribute in this series. And it's all about confidence. It's all about momentum. And he's starting to create his own. That's a super good point. I, I, it can only benefit, I would think. And what is that when, when you do have that? Because so, they really do seem to support each other as a team. Oh this is gosh. very much a, you know. Yeah. What is that? What is j- that do for a player to help when you do get to, into the dugout and they're doing the chaz chop and all that kind of stuff? What does that do for a guy? Uh, it, it's an ego boost, and it sounds crazy that guys that are in the big leagues need an ego boost, or you know, even even Justin Verlander needs an ego boost. And I think when he started to get rolling with his strikeouts, you could see the guys behind him starting to rally around him and almost will him to go out there and make better pitches. And it's much like that for hitters when you step in the box and you know there's 25 other guys in that box with you, willing you to do well, and that when you do do well, they absolutely celebrate, you know, 100% behind you. I think that's part of the joy of it. And I've been lucky enough to play on a couple of teams that were like that. And there's no better feeling knowing that when you dig in, those 25 other guys are ignoring what's on the scoreboard. They're ignoring who's in the, who's in the opposing dugout. They're ignoring who's on the mound. They're just in that dugout or in that um, batter's box or on that mound with you, you know, willing you to go out there and do a great job no matter what. And tell you what, if you don't succeed, you come back, they're going to hold you with open arms and just tell you, hey, we'll get them next time. And that's part of the fun of being on these teams that are successful, want to win, have that ultimate desire for everybody to do well in order to win. Who was your favorite when you were when you were playing like that? Was there a team specifically that um, it was like that for you? Well, I hate you know you hate saying favorites because you know after playing close to fourteen years in the big leagues, yeah. you know you made some great friendships along the way. But there were two teams that I went to the postseason with, and it was the you know Chicago White Sox, or well, three teams: the Chicago White Sox, the San Diego Padres, and Arizona Diamondbacks. But to a man, 
you know, getting over to the White Sox halfway through the season, I those guys supported me and backed me up and took me in as one as their own, very similar to what the Astros do uh, in their clubhouse. And mm-hmm. then San Diego was probably one of the most supportive, most, you know, energizing, most uh, – one of the better atmospheres I've probably ever been in in those in those San Diego clubhouses between 05 and 07 when we won the National League West and played in game 163 in in 2007 you know we we took every loss as hard as to a person as I've ever seen and that's what uh, kind of you know made it made it known to me that this was a special team yeah i it, and the Astros clearly have that magic you oh can man just, you and then it. some yeah you can just sense it Mm-hmm. So last night, game two, um, you know, the, the first thing immediately uh, is Framber Valdez. Woo. I mean, the Yankees thought they were going to get off the hook with Verlander and like, okay, with Verlander, we're past Verlander now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we can move on to somebody that we can hit. And then they get Framber Valdez. The, the stat that blew my mind last night when they put it up was that he had 25 whiffs. 25. Oh that was, it, it was and that it was it was it's tied for the third most whiffs in a postseason game all time. And he's tied with Justin Verlander, who did it twice. <laughs> We're, funnily <laughs> Shocking. enough, the guy in the next game, Garrett Cole, is has the record at 33. Yeah, I um, it. But 25 whiffs and 16 of them on that curveball. Like, yeah. I mean, he was just ridiculous last night. Yeah, I mean, and he was his own worst enemy on that error that, you know, led yeah. to the only two runs that were able to be scored by the Yankees. So if you take that one play away, you know, there's nobody that scores in that game. He gave right. them those runs. He handicapped them two runs in that game. <laughs> But he also had the composure not to let that affect him and go out there and continue to pitch for seven innings strong and go out there and strike guys out. But it's just funny. It, I was listening to a little bit of the pregames uh, on MLB Network coming into the mm-hmm. game, uh, watching or listening to it as I drove in, and you know they're rattling off all these guys throughout the big leagues that have great curveballs. I can't remember some of the names, but they're big names. They're, they're notorious for the swing and miss, and they all all of a sudden they get to the end of the list and they said, well, Framber Valdez has the best curveball in baseball. And they were almost shocked. And you and I both know watching Framber throughout the course of his career and this season, it's not a shock to us that his curveball is no. the best curveball in baseball. He can basically tell everybody he's throwing it, flip it out there, and they're not going to make hard contact if not swing and miss. So, you know, Framber's actually a great matchup, even though he's left-handed against the Yankees, just in the sense that, the Yankees rely on the long ball. And when you've got yes. a guy with a high ground ball percentage like Framber Valdez, which is ridiculous, close to 70%, and he's got that turbo sinker with the turbo curveball, it's a it's a terrible matchup for them to try and go out there and lift the baseball. And he went out there and proved his worth again in uh, you know, seven innings. Who Are we really shocked it was a quality start? <laughs> I mean, come That's on. a great point. Nobody can be surprised at this point. The guy is Mr. Quality Start. He is so consistent. Hey, I, you know, talk about that for a minute, the long ball. I'm glad you brought that up because it was something I was, it was funny. I was walking my dogs this morning with my wife, and my wife is very sweet to say, so tell me about the Astros game. I think she just likes me passing the time as we're walking the dogs. But one of the things I, one of the, that is love. You're right. But one of the things that, that I brought up with her was that this feels like a bad matchup for the Yankees because they are a team that relies so heavily on home runs and they're a team that strikes out a lot. 
Yes. And they're they're not a big contact hitting team. And the Astros have guys. You said this yourself, and I, I gave you credit at the time. They are a team you can pitch around. And the yep. Astros have the kind of control and the kind of pitching that allows them to do that. So what is that? I mean, for a team like that, it Fromber obviously was a terrible matchup for them. But it feels <laughs> like the Astros on on the whole are just not a they're just a bad matchup for a team that hits a lot of home runs. And has heavy swing and miss. You know, that yeah. so the Astros Everybody's, oh my gosh, the Astros, you know, what, 16 of their 20 runs in the postseason are coming on the home run. So they do, the Astros rely on the home mm-hmm. run, but guess what? They don't swing and miss. In this series against the New York Yankees in two games, the Yankees have 30 strikeouts to eight for the Houston Astros. Eight? That's I didn't realize it biggest. was eight. Yes. It, they, wow. And they struck out twice in the, in the first game, six in last night's game. So, and, and you also saw, I know with the day off that, you know, Aaron Boone was going to go to his guys in the bullpen, Loisaga, mm-hmm. Holmes, and Peralta to try and keep that game close so his offense could come back. But at the same time, talking about this Astros pitching staff matching up with the Yankees, they don't give up a lot of home runs. They strike a lot of guys out. And that's been the MO for building an Astros rotation or bullpen is guys that can spin, guys with velocity, guys that create swing and miss. Because we both know that when you get in trouble or there is traffic, the swing and miss can get you out of a lot of situations. And that's where the Astros also do a very good job is that when there is traffic, the swing and miss comes into play. And then you add to that a Yankees team that is high swing and miss. That's where you get out of some of these jams and where the Yankees can really get frustrated because they just can't make contact. And it's amazing to me that that number is high. That's that's 17 strikeouts in game one, 13 strikeouts in game two to the Astros eight. And that's a really hard way to go out there. The one guy, I I was reading some of the comments in postgame last night after game two, and the one guy that actually made sense to me was Giancarlo Stanton. He said, we have to make contact. I don't know how we do it. We either shorten up, start to punch the baseball, but we cannot produce anything if we're not hitting the ball out of the ballpark and not making contact. That is a bad combination. Well, you saw him and a couple of guys choking up you know, mm-hmm. at a couple of different occasions. And of course, when they do that, then, you know, they just get the, they get that wicked, you know, uh, cutter or break ball that comes down and in on them. Um, you know, uh, the guy, you know, you talked about striking people out, getting out of an inning. I mean, Brian Abreu was put Woo! in a spot last night. Dusty, Dusty Baker put a lot of trust in Brian Abreu he put to put him out there. Load on that. that was huge. And two 99 mile an hour heaters to, to finish it off. And Not the even best a swing, he dotted those things on the outside corner. The second corner. one in particular. Yeah. I mean, it was on the lower outside corner. I mean, it was basically an unhittable pitch. It was explosive. I, I mean, you can, just, I, mean, I know you were watching it. It felt like it jumped through the zone. It was unreal. It really did. And I mean, and, and you saw uh, Maldonado get really pumped up by those pitches because he knew that Abreu had hit his spots. He knew that it was, you know, and, and he had walked a guy and, uh, you know, and you worry because we hadn't really seen Abreu very much in like a high, well, certainly not in a high leverage situation like this with, you know, not one like run and, and against the, the meat of their order, you know, pitching against Judge yep. and, and John Carlos Stanton and all those guys. How, how big of a deal is it? Because look, we've already talked about how great some of the relief pitching is. The Astros bullpen mm-hmm. has been phenomenal. 
But this was the first time we've really seen a high leverage situation for a guy like Abreu. We've seen it from from some other guys because we kind of expect it. We expect it from Presley, who again another three <laughs> innings after going yeah. three and one and a th- another inning after going one and a third the night before, mm-hmm. and we expect it from guys like Montero, yeah, um, and even from Stanek, even though we haven't seen him yet. But that, Abreu, yeah. that's a lot of trust to put in a guy like that. And he's earned it, too. You know, throughout yeah. the course of the season, he did very good. But since that All-Star break last season, I think he gave up one earned run to finish off the season and was absolutely lights out. And he's another guy that's kind of matured into what we kind of hoped and expected he would be. Because when we first saw him, I think it was 2019, you saw this six foot four dude with wide shoulders coming mm-hmm. downhill in the upper 90s and a you know, bastard slider down and away. And then we, you know, 2020 was an issue for everybody, but he bounces back and becomes this guy in this bullpen by finishing the season as strong as he did. And you kind of see Dusty showing a little more faith, showing a little bit more trust. And what's, you know, you think about how well he did and how awesome that was. Think about what it's done for the rest of the series, too. With the day off, those arms, again, amazingly enough, because of the starting pitching and as well as Abreu's done, these guys are rested. They are The firepower coming out of this bullpen in Yankee Stadium in the upcoming games is going to be unbelievable. Dusty has the pick of the litter right now because everybody's healthy, everybody is fresh, everybody's ready and anxious to get in that game. And to your point, Abreu's pitched so well that you've kept the ERA leader in that bullpen just kind of chilling, just kind of waiting for his moment in Ryan right? Stanek. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it really, it's just, we've said it before, it's an embarrassment of riches. Man. You know, it, interestingly enough, and we talked about Presley just, you know, being, again, mm-hmm. after coming out for an inning and a third and then comes out and just, you know, strikes out the side um, last night. Um, it's an interesting contrast, though, to the Astros' offense considering mm-hmm. the fact that they've really not been very good offensively. I think nope. somebody pointed out that they've, you know, every game is this entire postseason has been either by one, one by one or two runs. Yeah. They've only really had one good offensive game and Altuve's 0 for 23 set the record for the oh. worst uh, start for anybody in postseason history. Um, and they're still winning, you know, which is yeah. they're, they're undefeated. Pitching, pitching, pitching. Right. How do they, how, if you're a guy like Altuve or you're somebody like, you know, uh, I mean, I know that uh, last night Alvarez snapped out of his funk. He was 0 for 12 after his two home runs finally singled. Kyle Tucker's got kind of on track. Bregman's been fantastic. But if oh, you're sorry. a guy like Altuve, what do you do to shake that funk? I mean, he had a liner that turned <laughs> into a double play that should have yeah. been, it should have been a hit. Um, what do you do to shake out of something like that? You know what? It, it's really hard to say because once you get to this point where th- you realize things are just not happening, you get extremely frustrated and you're trying to figure it out like you're talking about. And I'm not sure, you know, you've already done Once you get to this point, you've already done everything that you possibly can in the uh, in the cage. You've done everything you possibly can in uh, pregame. You've watched enough video. You've done everything. Now it's just a matter of going out there and do it, but they've been unable to go out there and do it. And that's where this frustration, that's where the panic sets in. And once that panic sets in, whew, you take a deep breath and you just kind of hope for the best. But really, 
you start to see some of the bad luck too because that last yeah. ball he hit, Glaber Torres has made some ridiculous, you know, on his backside play on a short hop and turned it into a double play. You you have no idea how deflating that is. It's one thing to do it in the regular season and have these slumps, but the magnitude and the, yeah. the, the focus on the postseason just exacerbates everything. So it's that much more deflating when you do see that play made against you. But you know, if there's anybody that's going to turn it around, it's going to be Jose Altuve. And the frightening thing is for opposing teams, if they, if, if and when he does turn it around, he usually gets <laughs> hits in bunches, and that's what you're yeah. hoping for. But there's also the position in that lineup that is got to be concerning for the Astros too is that DH spot. They've got one hit in that DH spot, and that's another uh, you know gaping hole in this lineup for the Astros. Right. If you're if you're Dusty Baker, do you consider moving Jose Altuve out of the leadoff spot? Hell no. No, this is like yeah. George Springer in 2017 <laughs> when A.J. Hinch was like, oh, hell no. George is my guy. I'm running with him. And I think yeah. Dusty's the same way with Jose Altuve because you think about not not just the message it would send to the, the individual. Think about mm. the message it would send to the entire team. And you don't need that right now. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. I'm with you on that. I've heard some people saying, oh, you should move him. I'm like, you don't move him out of that spot. You, you, no. Because the thing is, you're right. It's only going to take one hit. Like, it's mm -hmm. only going to take one um, and he has been making better contact. It's not like in yep. you know in the ALDS he he really didn't make good contact. He's been making contact. He's been walking a little bit. You feel like you know, uh, and and he did get a hug from a fan last night. God, I mean, what the heck, dude? He's, I, that guy's lucky you ran to Jose Altuve. I mean, right? somebody else might have decked him. Yeah. I mean, Jose Altuve actually gave him a hug. I don't know if you heard the story, but the guy ran out there. Yeah. I'm sure he he was a little inebriated. You you probably have to be to why, get out on the my field. My only question is, why run out there in the bottom, top of the ninth with Ryan Presley ready to wipe him out, man? Did you what see Ryan Presley's face? He looked dude, like he was going to kill that guy. If he had laser beams for eyes, that dude would have been incinerated. <laughs> I mean... He looked like he was ready to t go out there and just, he was ready to throw a heater at that guy's head. I mean, <laughs> he was. it was unbelievable. But Jose, like, he told Jose Altuve that he said that he had spent all of his money to just to get a ticket to the game so the Astros had to win. Like, I think well, they he almost understand. Interrupted it. <laughs> he, yeah, exactly. That, well, that would have been um, on him. Right, exactly. And I know, I just, but yeah, seeing that face on Presley was like, you're like, Holy. okay, I want that guy fighting for me. That's what exactly. I thought. I was like, dang, this guy's, yeah. Before we talk about game three, I, I did want to bring this up and see what you thought. Apparently, Bob Costas, who, Dear you know, God. God bless him. He, at this point, he's kind of a fossil, you know, but, <laughs> uh, but, you know, he's just, he's a guy that's better set for the Olympics and the sort of pageantry of, of those yes. sort of things than he is for the postseason baseball, where a lot of it's just good camaraderie, you know, that, that when they talk about it in the, there's too much soliloquizing, I think from, from a guy like him. But last night, apparently he got a little upset that the Astros fans were sticking around and chanting Yankees suck. Uh, T behind tell me them. you've never seen the Astros play in Yankee stadium without saying it. Right. Exactly. My thing What's is, he going to do when he starts hearing F Altuve? Exactly. That's what I be kept like, thinking. Yeah. yeah, I know, I know. There's well there were a number of people who were like maybe he he's probably happy with that because it's, you know, East Coast bias thing or whatever. <laughs> but I just I was like, come on, Costas. And and by the way, what what are they what are they doing getting Bob Costas on there, man? Come on. Like well, where's it's name equity. That's all it I is. I guess. I guess. I just like 
I loved the the postseason guys with you know with Big Poppy and A Rod mm-hmm. and that crew's great. I think Carlos Correa has been doing a really good job. TBS frankly. does a good job. Yeah, I'm a Jimmy Rollins fan. I like I oh, like yeah. and, you know Pedro Martinez. I like those guys. They do a good job. Yeah, and I think Curtis Granderson is actually really good yeah. too. No, those those guys you, you, those guys understand the game and they they speak very well about it. It's I, I mean they do a great job of promoting the game. That's all I'm about, and that's why like Big Poppy. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily a Rod for me because I'm not a fan, but right. I want guys that are going to be excited and promote the game. Carlos has the great knowledge of the analytics, but Big Poppy's yeah. always got that energy. And that's what fans need to see is the energy about the game. And, uh, you know, as great as Bob Costas' career has been, the narration and, like you said, the soliloquies and the poetry of it, they just don't match up with what this game's trying to promote right now. Yeah, and honestly, look, everybody's trying to copy uh, TNT's basketball coverage. Everybody wants Barkley, Shaq, Kenny Smith. That's what they all want. Have them do baseball. (laughs) <laughs> no doubt. I'll tell you what, Charles Barkley would be hella entertaining yes. doing baseball for sure. So, okay, game three, we got Garrett Cole on the hill. Dusty has not named his starter. Who do we think is going out there in game three between McCullers and Javier? I mean, pick your poison if you're the Yankees because, you know, Christian Javier has has the combined no-hitter in what he did during the regular season and the mm-hmm. swing and miss ability on his pitches are unreal. Mm-hmm. But how do you not go with with Lance McCullers unless he needs an extra day rest? I have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. I have no idea what would what would make Dusty hesitate, other than maybe some of the underlying numbers that you and I don't have access to. But man, the rotation setting up with Verlander, Fromber, Lance McCullers worked pretty good in that division series. I don't understand why it would deviate, especially with when you have the history of Lance against the Yankees, the twenty four straight right. curveballs. And then you have just the the energy and and the the vibe and everything that Lance brings to it. I think in that environment to really try and shut down that Yankee Stadium crowd, Lance McCullers would be the guy for me. But yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. I could not agree with you more. Like to me, it's not so much the the pitching part of it. Uh, I think either one of them would be great, but I think yeah. it's that intensity. You know, McCullers mm-hmm. has been there. He's pitched against the Yankees in the postseason before, and he just has that edge. No, and you're right Javier, about that experience. Yeah. Yes, and Javier has that that calm demeanor, and, I've, and which is probably good too, given the fact that the place is going to be nuts. But there's something about having a guy on the mound like McCullers who's just got that that you need in stocks. the stocks. He's, he's, he's just he's he uses that environment to his benefit. He does. It's like he feeds off the hatred. And yeah. uh, I feel like in the Bronx, you almost need a guy that's going to just that's gonna do that. How do we feel about Garrett Cole? I mean, Cole's been great this year. He gave mm-hmm. kind of a, I don't know if you saw it, but he gave kind of a real dickish answer when they asked him about <laughs> uh, what, how he had seen the development of Fromber Valdez. He was like, uh, well, he was, the first thing he said was, he's got kind of a whimsical mound presence. Well, what the hell's a whimsical mound what presence, you He's like he's like you know, but he's he's been really successful this year. But I can't really answer that question because I haven't watched him pitch. I'm like, don't be an a hole. Yeah. Like, come on, man. But what do you, what do we think about him on the mound? Uh, he's obviously one of the best pitchers in baseball when he's right and when he's pitching. The issue I think when you watch Garrett Cole pitch is sometimes he throws and that's where he gets in trouble. Leading the I mean I don't know if he led the American League, but I know damn well he. 
with his contract set up, I think he gave up, you know, every home run he gave up was worth a million dollars, I think, this season because he gave up 31 home runs, I, I think, throughout the course of the season. That's where he gets in trouble by throwing the baseball. His stuff is good enough to overwhelm a lot of hitters, but I think when you just rear back and throw sometimes, there's really good hitters out there that can catch up to your stuff this day and age. And I think you need to pitch a little bit better with the stuff that Garrett Cole has. And when he does that, he's a high swing and miss, the turbo slider, change up, the curveball, the fastball at 99 to 100 miles an hour. He is highly effective, but the Astros have, have faced him. They've done well against him. Jordan's got, got him for a couple of home runs a couple of years ago. So these guys have, they, they've seen the stuff. They're not intimidated by it. They're not intimidated by the Yankee Stadium environment. But uh, Garrett Cole's going to have to go out and pitch. He's not going to just be able to rear back and fire fastballs and fire just, you know, flip sliders in there. He's going to have to make some pitches and set pitches up to try and get these Astros because of that experience. But uh, if he's right, it's going to be a hell, of a, a hell of a competition between the hitters and Garrett Cole. You think the Astros, uh, you, think they, do you think we see another game in Minute Maid Park in this series? You know, once you get past Garrett Cole, you get into Nestor Cortez, and uh, my gut is telling me no. My gut is telling me there's going to be champagne, you know, in the in the clubhouse in Yankee Stadium just because these guys are as good as they are, and the pitching has been as good as it's been. So, if they can handle that environment and and get to Garrett Cole and get to Nestor Cortez, I think that that bullpen again falters for the New York Yankees and the Astros win. You know, I, I said five games just because I'm giving, you know, three games in, in the Bronx is tough to go out there and, you know, take yeah. the first two. I would imagine Garrett Cole is going to pitch well enough to keep this game close enough for a potential Yankees win. But at the same time, you got Lance McCullers or Christian Javier. It could be another 10 to 15 strikeout game, and that's not going to benefit the Yankees. And that's where I see the Astros taking this in four, possibly. Well, I tell you, too, uh, Blummer, you mentioned it I uh, about the pitching. Um <clears throat> One of the questions that was brought up in the post game last night was to, to Garrett Cole was, do you think you're going to have to pitch well because the Astros just don't give up runs? You you, you mentioned Robert Valdez. I in my in my story today, my recap of the game, uh, I do that we do the a four winners, four losers, and one of my winners was Framber Valdez pitcher, and one of my losers was Framber Valdez fielder. You know, because <laughs> <laughs> they just didn't match up. So. But, but I, they don't give up runs. You know, they just they they Astros just have not given up the big inning. Um, and and you know, he said he he felt like he was going to have to pitch well. Uh, do we? Th I mean. Is there going to be a game in this series that's that has five or six runs, or are we just gonna, you know, are we just gonna have a lot of these three to two, two to one kind of games before it's, you know, when it's all said and done? Well, these both both these offenses are potent enough to have something like that happen, but uh, the pitching just has to the pitching has to cooperate more, if you know what I mean, by making mistakes that are hittable out there. And they, these, you know, the Astros guys just have not done that, where they've allowed those guys to go out there and feel comfortable in, in the box and comfortable enough to take that big swing. So they've got great game plans. They've got great execution. Like I said earlier, they're healthy. They're fresh. And uh, there's some malicious intent when they come into games, which I absolutely love about these guys because they're going out there trying to mow these guys down and embarrass them. 
But, uh, you know, there, there is that potential, but at the same time, you know, not being able to give up big innings is, you know, is because the Astros defense is usually pretty good. They've given the Yankees a couple of opportunities with errors to go out there and get the big hit, but they haven't gotten it. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned the errors. The Astros have had a few errors in this mm-hmm. series. Altuve's had one, of course, Frombert two on the same play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. They haven't really given anything up. All right, Blummer, I know you're going to go play some golf today. It's beautiful yeah. weather, so at least you've got that going for you. Um, the Astros game three tomorrow night um, in New York, followed by game four on Sunday. Is there a day off on Monday? I haven't looked at the schedule. I don't think there is. I think the, I think it's all. Saturday, three, Sunday, four, Monday. Five, six, seven, yeah. Yeah. That so benefits gonna, the Astros, too. I agree. I think it's going to be a very interesting weekend of baseball. I'm with you. I hope they uh, I hope they pop those champagne corks in New York. It would, nothing yeah. would be better. Uh, any final thoughts on the rest of this series, Blummer? No, it's just, you know, the the Yankees already coming up with excuses in some of their post-game comments is, yeah. is, is not looking well. And hearing some of their comments, they just sound... They sound deflated and defeated, and the Yankees are going to have to play perfect baseball to get back in this series. The Astros just have to play Astro baseball, and they'll be fine. I just, you know, who isn't frustrated when they play the Astros? I know, seriously. <laughs> feels like a perpetual condition when you have to play them. True. <laughs> well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, thanks to our sponsor, uh, Bet Online, And uh, we'll be watching ALCS continues uh, tomorrow. Uh, in the Bronx, um, I will be uh, posted up somewhere watching the game. Uh, Blummer, I'm sure you'll be doing the same. Yep. And uh, obviously, give us a follow, drop us a comment, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Um, thanks so much. Keep cheering them on. I've got my Bregman can, I have my shrine, my candle, my Ooh. Verlander sticker, and my uh, coaster sitting. Like I, so I've got construction going on downstairs in my house. They literally, it's on my coffee table, and they've covered it with plastic because oh. they're doing work down there, but I won't move it. And I, they're like, do you want to move this? I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, no, 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 no. This stays on the coffee table. I don't care what happens down here. This does not move. Even it has to be under plastic because yeah. that's the superstition I live with. Thanks, everybody, for joining us again, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Uh, thanks so much, and go Astros. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.